the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Final hour on a Bruce Hooley Show on a Friday always starts with Jack Windsor of the Ohio Press Network. Anytime we can get him, we're always glad to get Jack's perspective. Very, very grateful for his site, theohiopressnetwork.com. It gives you the news with an unbiased perspective. And I'm not surprised, Jack, as I'm looking here on your site, and two of the top four stories have to do with transgender policies, schools, parents. This is a very hot issue, including the uh, issue from Hilliard that we talked about a week ago. So a week later, it's still the fourth most popular story on your site. And the top story is, are Ohio schools being transparent with parents and taxpayers on transgender policies? My guess is the answer to that is no, but it's your story. So tell us about it. Yeah, you know, it is a gray area. I would say that if you said the answer was no, that uh, I would bet that you're accurate and you're correct. The bottom line is, Bruce, parents have questions. Uh, In short, they want to know who can use opposite sex restrooms and locker rooms. Are both sexes allowed to compete in girls' sports? Can boys sleep in the same places as girls and vice versa on school-sanctioned overnight trips? And then the important one, too, will parents be notified if school officials have conversations with their kids on gender identity? And then will a parent's decision to not transition kids socially to a gender different than their biological sex be honored or ignored? Now, let me qualify this and say there are about 600 school districts, over 600 school districts in the state of Ohio, and our public schools instruct about 1.6 million students. So all of those districts haven't been investigated, and I can't state whether they're applying Biden administration's Title IX rules, which include gender identity and sexual orientation um, in school policy. Yeah, as protected classes. Yeah, as protected classes. As a protected class. So Olentangy, Hilliard, Dublin, uh, and Brunswick are the four schools we looked at. And if I were to boil it down, first of all, I would recommend every listener to go to our website, theohiopressnetwork.com, and read this story. And uh, the title of the story is, Are Ohio Schools Being Transparent with Parents and Taxpayers on Transgender Policies? And uh, if you read the story, you'll see that parents in, in those districts are confused because they're looking for policies that state explicitly the answers to the questions that I asked at the front of this show, and they're not getting them. And so they're kind of getting the runaround. Well, look on, look online and, and you'll see the policy. And then they'll ask a direct question. Well, look online. It's, it's in the policy. And they're going, no, 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 no. I want to know specifically. So I know there isn't transparency and there isn't directness. And that is causing quite an uproar uh, at school board meetings yet again. Uh, as we head into the fall. Yeah, and if the answer to the question is, go look it up somewhere else, that means they don't want to answer the question because they have a pretty good idea that you're not going to like the answer, and the answer that parents mostly in Ohio don't like is, we are going to try to keep this information secret from you. We aren't going to honor your wishes, and this is pretty evident. If they won't tell you what their policy is, 
uh, they're probably trying to hide something or they're making you go through, jump through another hoop to try to find the answer. Yes, and I think the, the part that is frustrating for parents is when school districts say, we continue to follow the law on a case-by-case basis, that really uh, takes the bat out of parents' hands. They have no way then to hold schools accountable because they vote for board members, and board members set policy. And if the school's not being clear about the policy, then how do you hold a board member accountable? And so, um, you know, I don't know if it's intentionally crafty, but it sure is, it creates a, you know, a level of immunity uh, for school board members uh, that parents can't do anything about. Jack Windsor, our guest, the Ohio Press Network. Follow Jack on Twitter, at Jack Windsor. I'm shocked, but it happened. The CDC, well, I'm not shocked. I know the CDC's all in on vaccines. They're all in on COVID vaccines. They voted unanimously yesterday, 15 to nothing, to put the COVID vaccine on the vaccine list for kids to attend school in the United States. They view it as essential as a measles or polio vaccine. It certainly does not have that support from parents. But this is not a final. The state of Ohio will have the final say on whether that's uh, up to the schools or whether there's a state policy in the state of Ohio. I don't see this coming to Ohio, but I'm sure you have thoughts on it. I do, too. I think that the Democrats just won't give up on the idea of COVID because, to me, it's a way for control. Yes, Democrats and moderate Republicans, I would add. Mm-hmm. When you go back to the state of Ohio during its pandemic response, there were a lot of people who felt like Governor Mike DeWine governed a lot like the governor of California, the governor of Michigan, and the governor of New York, uh, who all have D's by their names. So we immediately received uh, feedback yesterday after the CDC Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices met and voted unanimously. So as a result, I reached out to Dan Tierney, Governor Mike DeWine's press secretary, and then Tricia McLaughlin, who is his campaign communications director, and I asked, regarding the schedule for children, what, what will that mean? for kids in Ohio and their Mm -hmm. families. What will the governor do, if anything, to either promote the jabs for kids to enroll in school or will he discourage? I haven't heard back yet, but let me just point this out. Ohio lawmakers tell me, I had some conversations last night, that Ohio's required vaccination is spelled out in Ohio law. And if it's not in there, it isn't required. And so hepatitis, chickenpox, meningitis, rubeola, rubella, polio, diphtheria, uh, pertussis, tetanus, uh, Ohio law also provides exemptions in cases where natural immunity exists for things like chickenpox and mumps. It also provides exemption options for reasons of conscience, which includes religion, and for medical reasons. If a doctor writes a note stating that immunization is medically contraindicated, one lawmaker told me uh, that the Senate is actually in the process right now of working up some solutions if, you know, there are some slippery ways um, that recommendations are going to find their way into schools, which would require parents to get their kids kids jabbed in order for them to attend a public school. So there's reporting out there that once these vaccines are on this list, the uh, makers of the vaccines then become totally immune themselves from liability. Is that correct, incorrect, or is that yet to be determined? So my understanding is that once the um, state of emergency is lifted, then the emergency use authorization, which is what uh, some of these jabs have, uh, that vanishes, right? So there is a level of immunity because they say in an emergency, we want to protect the population. So when the emergency is gone, that protection is gone. So uh, then if they add these to the schedule, then some people pontificate that 
the CDC is is uh, allowing the drug makers to skirt liability, and then it would fall under that vaccine injury compensation program, which my understanding is companies contribute to. And if there is an injury, then uh, you know a family might get a little bit of a payout. But I certainly don't believe that it allows. And I could be wrong. This is my opinion and interpretation. I don't think families. Uh, get the, you know, um, larger payouts that they would if there wasn't a vaccine injury compensation program. And if each case, uh, you know, was prosecuted and, and companies were held liable to the fullest extent of the law. Jack Windsor is our guest. Jack is with the Ohio Press Network. Check their site out, theohiopressnetwork.com. Follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Windsor. We've talked a lot about the Senate race and less so about the governor's race because it looks like it's DeWine and a walkover. What we haven't talked about, Jack, issue one and issue two, these are statewide issues that will be on the ballot. Issue one would allow or would put into law that judges could consider the danger that a defendant poses to the community in setting his bail. The bedfellows opposing this are somewhat strange. There are conservative organizations, there are very liberal organizations who normally the two would never intersect. They intersect on opposing issue one, which to me as a parent of three daughters, you have a daughter, um, I want dangerous people kept off the streets based on bail, but I want the Constitution followed. And there are those who say the Eighth Amendment, cruel and unusual punishment, would pre- should preclude this from being a law. Tell us a little bit about what you know about issue one. So my understanding is that some case law would preclude um, a judge from considering things like public safety, right? So uh, originally, this amendment included language that would allow a judge to consider those public safety factors. Now, um, here's the bottom line. Some people who oppose it are saying what you said. If you can't get out of jail because you don't have the money, that is a problem. But if you can get out of jail... because a judge can't say, well, you're a threat to public safety. When you are a threat to public safety and you have a criminal background, that's a problem too. So the final language, my understanding of this amendment reads that when determining the amount of bail, the court shall consider public safety, including the seriousness of the offense and a person's criminal record, the likelihood a person will return to court, and any other factor the General Assembly may prescribe. My understanding is that last phrase there. Um, that includes the General Assembly, gives this some flexibility and allows lawmakers to deal with some of the issues that that they'll need to deal with and be nimble with the law um, instead of not allowing certain people, excuse me, instead of um, not allowing certain people to stay in jail uh, because of public safety issues. One other caveat there, I know we're low on time, but I did get to talk with the magistrate about this. And I think the reason that the General Assembly weighing in is important is a lot of times we hear about public safety as physical safety. And he said, I agree with that, but are we talking about property too? And so that's the kind of thing that I think the General Assembly could weigh in on. I mean, if you remember the summer of love, my goodness, how many uh, billions Hmm. of dollars um, in property damage was there across the United States? How much of that is Ohio? Yeah, very good point. As always, Jack Windsor makes them. Follow his reporting, theohiopressnetwork.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Jack Windsor, W-I-N-D-S-O-R. Jack, always great. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you again next week. God bless you, Bruce. Thanks for having me.
So tonight we have the big Talkers Tour event at Genoa Christian Fellowship. And uh, I'm supposed to welcome everyone. I'm supposed to give a little short talk. Uh, They might have to come and tackle me on the stage tonight because of Joe Biden's address to the nation just now from the White House. This supposedly is going to be the last time he is available to the media before the midterm elections. Aren't we like two weeks from the midterm elections? We are two weeks from the two weeks on Tuesday. We're two and a half weeks from the midterm elections. His schedule, remember, remember, we're closer than we've ever been to Armageddon, he said, with nuclear war with Russia. His schedule is like, he's got one event a day. And two and a half weeks from the midterms now, he's not going to talk to the press again. Which is probably okay, because what he said today, I'm sure they'll find a way to defend it on MSNBC, CNN, and all the other bootlicks out there who cover Joe Biden. and Tell you what a great, great, great economy we have. While you can't afford gas, milk, eggs, food. I'm just going to play what passes for the end of his remarks. I could go off on this now and tonight for how it's insidious because it's moronically stupid. I cannot believe anybody with a passing knowledge of economics can be this inept at seeing what's coming down the line if his policies are instituted. I also believe it is so duplicitous for someone to label what the Republicans want to do as ineffective, as evil, as mean-spirited, knowing that it's been done before and it's worked out much better than his policies work out. So let's just give it a run. We'll see how far we get with Joe Biden just a few moments ago at the White House. We face some of the most difficult challenges in our history, both at home and abroad. But we're making real progress. We just have to keep going. I know we can. For everything we've been through, I've never been more optimistic about our America's future. We just have to remember who we are. <laughs> we're the United States of America. There's nothing beyond our capacity. Okay, this is an infuriating thing he does at the end of almost every speech is, Here's what I want to do, and if you don't agree with what I want to do, then you're not a real American. This is how he can get away with labeling half of America semi-fascist. So you're a semi-fascist if you don't agree with me. He does not understand. I I thought it was disingenuous when Bill Clinton said, I feel your pain. At least he said it, whether he meant it or not. This guy doesn't feel your pain. He feels his pain. He feels his pain. He feels his approval ratings. He feels the bloodbath he's going to take in the midterms. He feels his own pain. And so if you disagree with his policies, he wants you to know you're wrong. Inflation is high. Gas prices are high. The economy is lousy. Crime is up. The border is open. We're a laughingstock on the international stage. We have goaded Russia into a corner where it may have to use nuclear weapons. But let's all pull together and keep doing what I want to do. And we're better positioned than any other country in the world to get through this difficult period. Inflation's worse all around the world. Things are bad everywhere, so sorry your life sucks, but it could suck worse. Does that make you feel better? So keep the faith. Keep the faith. And God bless you and may God protect our troops. And I want to say one more thing, actually. Oh, goody gumdrop, because I'm not tired of being lied to enough. You know, uh, I know, uh, and I don't blame you, you want to ask me about the midterms. Uh, and here's what I think. 
It's been back and forth with them ahead, us ahead, them ahead, back. This is interesting. Them ahead, us ahead, them ahead, us ahead. What happened to the guy who was going to be the president for all of America? I didn't think there was a them and us on Inauguration Day. Weren't we just like 20 seconds ago, the United States of America? Now, 20 seconds later, we're them and us, them and us. Back and forth. And the polls have been all over the place. I think uh, that we're going to see one more shift back to our side in the closing days. And let me tell you why I think that. Because insurrection, insurrection, abortion, abortion, abortion. Back and forth. (laughs) And the polls have been all over the place. I think uh, that we're going to see one more shift back to our side in the closing days. And let me tell you why I think that. We're starting to see some of the good news on the economy. Gas prices are down sharply. Gas prices are down sharply. I paid three forty nine yesterday, and I mentioned that to Pam out front, and you would have thought I was Jesse James and I had committed the great train robbery. She wanted to know where I found gas for three forty nine a gallon because it was so much lower than she could find it anywhere she goes, where it's three seventy five, three eighty. Okay? Gas prices are not down and they're not down sharply, you idiot. In forty six of the fifty states, because of what I've been doing. We're moving in the right direction. There's more to come. They're down because of what he's been doing. He's been bleeding the strategic oil reserves dry for partisan political purposes. So, yay, vote for me, who prioritizes my own personal power and prestige over the future security of our country. What better trait could you want in a president of the United States who's single-minded in caring only about his own sorry butt than the safety of the rest of our country. State unemployment today, state unemployment, is all-time lows in 11 states, and 17 states have unemployment rates under 3%. Just wait till your 15% corporate tax kicks in. See what happens to those unemployment rates. The new deficit numbers, there's a, a record, a record decrease. Did I not see headlines last week that our deficit is at an all-time high of $31 trillion? What, is he reading The Onion for his economic news? Where is he getting his economic news? From Dr. Jill? Is she now a doctor of the economy, too? It's never happened before. The election is not a referendum. It's a choice. It's a choice. And the Republican criticized my economic record. But look at what I've inherited and what I've done. And look at what they're offering. What I inherited was a country, an economy ready to roar back with therapeutic drugs for COVID, with what they labeled vaccines, which weren't, but at least it was some kind of a retardant to the virus for those who wanted to take it. All he had to do, all he had to do was be the three-year-old kid with the stove burner on high. Don't touch, Joey. Don't touch it, Joey. Instead, he had to, like, plunge both hands into everything. This guy is the anti-Midas. Everything he touches turns to crap. And the rest of us get to smell it and sniff it, and he gets to tell us it's perfume. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.